Well, good morning, everybody. So great to be here, and I am honored to be standing in this place. I have no right to be here. Um, and the truth I'm about to teach you, God is still teaching me. How about that? <laughs> so we've not arrived, but here we all are. Amen? Amen. Uh, this is a daunting passage. It is overwhelmingly fun. And so I hope we can all hang on for the ride. Is that all right? All right. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth, meditations in my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through verses 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. That's not a surprise. And said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I want to talk to you today about Water Walkers Institute. I will obviously be speaking metaphorically during much of this sermon. Anyone interested in walking on actual H2O should consider talking with our elder Bill. <laughs> Necessity to attend this institute is not a matter of if, but when. You are either heading in the direction of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're just leaving a storm. This life is more tragic and more wonderful than anyone could imagine. And anyone over the age of 35 should be saying amen. <laughs> a storm on the Sea of Galilee was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Being about 680 feet below sea level, this body of water becomes quite warm. Cold air rushing down from the sharply rising hills meets the warm air rising from the water. The result is usually a sudden and violent storm. Consider this day, this one day, in the life of Jesus. It began with the announcement of the sudden death, the beheading of his cousin and predecessor, John the Baptist. Jesus is a model of all things appropriate and right and holy. He wanted to have a moment of appropriate mental hygiene and he attempts to have time alone to grieve with his disciples and he's interrupted by a crowd of over 5,000 people. And instead of hosting a pity party, Jesus just decides to host a party and immediately hires his 12 disciples as servers. But there's only one problem. 
Where's the appetizer, the main course, the dessert? Well, Jesus proves to be the host with the most, and he takes a boy's lunch of two sardines and five saltines. You like what I did with that? And creates a buffet for the thousands. And after the party is over, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus then decides it would be rude to eat and run, and he chooses as a proper host, cordially bid his guest farewell personally. So as not to bore his servers with proper protocol and decorum, he sends them to cross the Sea of Galilee ahead of him. After party favors are appropriately distributed, Jesus again, practicing appropriate mental hygiene, resumes his time of solitude and prepares his first lesson for Water Walkers Institute. By the way, before enlisting as a cadet, you should be aware of the fact that our instructor, water walking Jesus, is not safe. But he is good, according to C.S. Lewis. After all, in his orientation to potential cadets, he said in Matthew 10:16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That doesn't sound like safety to me. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. But water walking Jesus credentials are declared in Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse 25 says something really interesting. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., any fisherman would tell you, it's bad luck to be on the water. Any storm during this time was deadly, and there was a superstition that the souls of those lost at sea could never be reclaimed, not even by God. Thus, the reference in Revelations 20, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. You know, we as believers often resort to talk of the last days when a series of bad things happen. It's actually a Christianese cop-out. It's the easiest way to become so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. But I need to remind you, just when the floodwaters came, God locked the door of the ark from the outside. Just when Pharaoh decided to pursue the Israelites when they were surrounded by bluffs on all sides with the Red Sea before them, God paved a sidewalk in the sea. Just when Nebuchadnezzar heated the furnace seven times hotter, Jesus jumped in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And though the flames burned the ropes that bound them, he came out, and they all came out, smelling like a rose. Just when Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus came like an alarm in a cemetery and woke Lazarus from the dead. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. When humanity committed the ultimate sin by torturing their creator to death, Jesus took the blood we pierced, stabbed, and beat out of him and washed our sins away. He came to them walking on the sea at the fourth watch of the night. Jesus specializes in times when our luck runs out. And aren't you glad? Water walking Jesus, the one and only instructor, 
of the Water Walkers Institute isn't an ecclesiastical show-off here, nor merely a thrill-seeker. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus to show off his power in the wilderness and he refused? This is about something so much more. You see, Jesus is taking a late-night stroll in the very sea that could potentially drown his disciples because he wants to be close to them. The overwhelming and unexpected tragedy that some of you may be going through is just a way of him getting closer to you. And by the way, for some of us, the mind-numbing boredom of daily days, he can show up on that sea as well just to get closer to you. These men were mostly fishermen. They had their sea legs. They grew up on the sea. But this time, they're too far out. The wind is against them, and it's the bewitching hour, and a ghost appears to them that looks like their rabbi, Jesus. And he's saying, take heart. Do not be afraid. Too many Christian movies depict that if you pray the right prayer enough, you get your job back even if you stole hundreds from your company. You get your wife back even if you had an affair with her best friend. Your unbelieving relative or friend with a fatal disease is healed and saved, and the movie ends with them coming to your church with you, and Maverick City is the guest artist that Sunday, and they're singing Million Little Miracles as the credits roll. And many of us have seen those movies, haven't you? But a Water Walkers Institute in the worst before it gets better. Hear your instructor saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Water Walkers Institute is not for the merely hell scared or the heaven bound. Its ability to accomplish this is based only on the ability of the instructor Jesus and your ability to trust him in relationship. Notice Jesus has only one willing cadet in a boat full of his friends only one peter says lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water water walkers institute is not for observers but for participants lord if it is you command me to come to you in the water lord if you're willing you can make me clean lord i believe help my unbelief all these are statements made by people who in the end received a miracle from God. God's not interested in our self-confidence. He's interested in our total dependency and our honesty. God is well aware of the fact that what he's asked of you is humanly impossible. Remember, he's not safe, he's good. Jesus' response to Peter was, come. One word, no instructor's manual, for Water Walkers Institute because he is enough and his word is enough. No prior experience, no orientation is necessary. Peter got out of the boat. And I know the words connection and community have become bywords in our Christian culture. I'm sorry, y'all. There's a lot of times you're not gonna have either one of those. It's about you and it's about Jesus. And by the way, it's ironic. I don't know about you. The times when I've needed community, the times when I have needed connection, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. Water Walkers Institute is be between the instructor 
and the cadet, and it's your decision whether you choose to walk on the water or not. Without special shoes, special anointing, special credentials, or special prayers, Peter walked on the water. And in that moment, Peter was walking on the water to Jesus. Now, by the way, it's no surprise. When he saw the wind, he sank. But look at what he said. Lord, save me. At least Peter knew one thing for sure. Jesus is Lord. Do you remember the time when you said, Lord, save me? Do you remember that prayer? Lord, save me. This is the only institute where failure, by the way, can be expected. Psalms 103, he remembers we are dust. Paul wasn't scolded for having a thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. The instructor of the Water Walker Institute has calloused working hands and dirt under every nail because he knows what it's like to live here. By the way, 2022, the hand that reaches down to us is pierced through with the nails because he knows you need to be saved. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? My brother sitting back here, you're not looking at me right now. Can I have you come up here real quick? Yeah, just real quick, just real quick. I'm not going to take much time. Yeah, just stand right there. And I'm going to stand in front of you, and I'm going to count. Now, by the way, I'm not going to do a trust fall. I'm not going to do it. Because obviously, this is no cliffhanger here, right? This man can catch me. Thank you very much. You can sit back. <laughs> I mean, that's no cliffhanger. There was no suspense in that, was it? Do you understand why Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I mean, he's not really surprised. He takes it personal. He takes our doubt personal. He's not surprised. But you can obviously say, we're talking about the God of all creation. The stars you look at at night would take you a million years if you traveled 160,000 miles per second. And we doubt. He takes it personal. But I'm going to take another, another shot at this story. Because due to the fact for some of us sitting in this room, it's continuing to get worse before it gets better. And it's been getting worse a long time. There's something about this passage that never sat well with me. It's ironic that Jesus did not rebuke the other people that chose to stay in the boat. He doesn't rebuke them. Let's read this from a different perspective. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 50. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. 
and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking from the sea, and he meant to pass by them. He meant to pass by them. He wanted them to see what Paul would later say in Romans 8.37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than him walking on the waves, see him refusing to let you be in this storm alone. Jesus didn't scold the other disciples for getting out of the boat. It's a stinking storm. I mean, what's not a surprise in this whole scenario is that Peter sang. We are sinkers by nature and sinkers by choice. And by the way, a few weeks later, Matthew 26, verse 31, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. I think this moment gave Peter some bragging rights that he really didn't need. Jesus didn't scold them for getting out of the boat. You guys... Hate to tell you this, there's no water walkers institute. There's no theology for water walking. Jesus did say this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Again, Jesus didn't scold the other disciples for not leaving the boat. He would rather we see him coming to us at the most unexpected time in the most unexpected way. Joshua 1.9 says, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Please hear the reading of Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See Jesus in your storm.
when your luck has run out and it only gets worse before it gets better. See Jesus in your storm. See him using the storm just to be closer to you. This is all about relationship and intimacy with you. It's just another way for you to know him more. No need to be a storm chaser or a water walker. He is coming to you when you can't possibly reach him. Jude, the 27th chapter says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Yes, I know that he is in us, but there are times in this physical world he wants you to see him, feel him, hear him, touch him. And the storm that you're in might be the very thing. July 6th, 2019, I was in St. Louis County the 40th birthday party of my niece, Nicole, who suffers with profound mental issues and is a survivor of bipolar disorder. The mood was festive, and as usual, my sister Ruth began to kick in singing happy birthday. Now, by the way, if you think my personality is big, my family, if you turn it up about 20 knots, you could be close. She starts singing happy birthday, but she's not singing the happy birthday that you know. She's singing the happy birthday that Stevie Wonder sings. And no, I will not even attempt to sing it right now, right here. Because, no, no. <laughs> because Stevie Wonder is one of those artists, only he can sing his songs, you know? Remember Michael Jackson's songs? Yes, only Michael could dance to his songs. And this is another one of those songs, and she's singing it loud, and my family breaks into four-part gospel harmony. And man, they are singing it, and they are singing it. And in the middle of this song, I'm sitting across, by the way, from my brother Mark. Mark and I are like oil and water. And there are times when we're more like gasoline and a lighter. And as she continues to sing this song and they're harmonizing with her, I don't know how, I don't know why, we begin to feel the presence of God. And not only did we feel it, I'm looking around out of embarrassment, partially. <laughs> People at other tables have turned and they're crying. Waitresses and waiters have stopped, and they're crying. And people start to applaud, and they ask us to sing it again. Mark and I struggled with sibling rivalry as children, and that tree just grew out of control into hatred with a deep root of bitterness. Because you see, Mark was, was just naturally talented, gifted public speaker in every way had his own vibe and then there was me I was always called anointed well you know that means nerdy shy and socially awkward <laughs> and due to those facts I was mom's favorite Mark was rebellious Mark was independent and we grew up hating each other 
We have been in so many revivals and conferences, services of all kinds together. We'd sing together and we'd preach together. But over happy birthday, tears coursing down both our faces, my brother gestures for me to join him at the end of the table. And in less than five minutes, we embraced each other and we confessed things to each other that we needed to for a lifetime. And I can tell you this, sometimes Jesus is showing up in the quiet before the storm. Because ladies and gentlemen, around that table, that was two years ago, was Patricia Rattler, my cousin. She's deceased. The host of that party, Deborah Mason, is now deceased. The one who sang Happy Birthday, deceased as of last May. And the brother that I had no relationship with died a month later. Because you see, before the storm gets to you, he sees you. And in the storm, you can know him in a way you've never known him before. But it's all about relationship. Peter didn't have to walk to Jesus on the water. By the way, Jesus invited him to come to him. just because he would never refuse you the chance. It's amazing to be a water walker. But he didn't call me to be a storm chaser. It's even more amazing to watch Jesus come to me in the most unexpected way and then realize he had been there all the time. And ladies and gentlemen, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, before you know it, you'll find yourself walking on the water. There are people in this room. I mean, just a few months ago, I watched Adam and Austin Chambers walking on water. Sudden death of their father. Adam stands in front of hundreds of people and comforts them. Just last October, my boss at Potter's House, Steve Prophet, passed away. His wife and his son immediately began to launch the ministry that he had a vision for, a ministry for international students. And in three months, they renovated the house next door after God had given it to us practically. And in a month, they're going to start that ministry to international students. Water walkers. But not for the sake of water walking. It's because they saw Jesus in a way they've never seen him before. And that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for us. He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 32 reads, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much. Praise you for the fact that, Lord, we are sometimes so lost in the storm, struggling, trying to do things on our own. And somehow you come to us even in the storm on the waves. In fact, it's as if you're surfing on the waves just as transportation to get closer to us. God, thank you for your voice that says, do not be afraid. But Father, we have to admit to you, everything in us is telling us, be very afraid. But Jesus, help us to trust you. Help us to know that you just want to get closer to us. God, we've seen your miracles. Jesus, you had just got through feeding 5,000 out of a little boy's lunchbox. But the storm was even realer to them at that point than you are. Jesus, we've seen you. We know you can save. But God, for some of us, our addiction, our anxiety, our pain has been where we've lived for so long. We've forgotten to notice that you're greater than the storm. Lord, give us the faith to trust you, to see you, to believe you. Even if we can't get out of the boat, even if we can't step out on the waves the way Peter did, Jesus, you just want us to know you're there. Help us trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.